Welcome back to Auto Off Topic. What's up, Brad? Uh, a whole lot, Andrew. What's going on with you? Yeah, here, uh, car show season is back. All over the world. Mm-hmm. Well, the country, I guess we should say, because we didn't leave the country. I guess I'll let you start, because uh, you get a bunch of stuff, well, right? Do we, do we want to start right in the show, or do we want to start on the leading up to the show? You can start wherever you want to start. All right, well, let's start leading up to oh, the show. Oh, yeah, because you did finish the springs. I want to hear about the springs. Yeah, so where did I leave off on that? I think we're waiting for them to get to you. Okay, well, they're here. Yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the springs finally arrive. Arrive? Arrive? Start this whole thing over, Andrew. That was terrible. The springs finally arrived. Yep. Um, Wednesday of last week. Yeah, because I sent the fronts via FedEx and the rears yeah. via USPS. And USPS just lost the race. Them. Yeah. No, they, they didn't know. Won. FedEx totally lost. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, FedEx <laughs> lost the race. Yeah. FedEx didn't know they were racing, I don't think, is the problem. Yeah. Um, it cost more to ship them from FedEx. And it took, what, a week longer? Uh, it was less. Well, it cost less to ship them. Yeah, because I couldn't fit them in a flat rate box. Right. So it cost less to ship them USPS. It would have cost more. That's why I went with FedEx. Okay, like so I was saying, less. I apologize. I was saying that the shipping for the FedEx parts actually cost more than the shipping for the USPS parts. Oh, but that's because the the these parts that you ship FedEx didn't fit in the USPS box. Right. That's so, correct. I got gotcha. you. Okay, excellent. So it cost less than USPS if you're not going flat rate. So I guess they have a little bit of an excuse there as to why it took longer. But it did take longer for them to get here than it should take to drive across the country. And they didn't drive them across the country. Yeah, I don't know if because they're flat rate and they are not batteries, they put them on a plane. I don't know. They put them on multiple planes. They were in very many different locations throughout the course of the week and tracking in a flight pattern that made absolutely zero sense. But anyway, they're here now. They were here by Wednesday. I was planning on leaving on Thursday night. Actually, so that you, was a- you got them Friday night. Mm, oh, that's right, too. Sorry, I got them Friday. Man, I'm all screwed up. Yeah. The Wednesday before is when the other parts got here. Friday night is when I got those parts. So Friday night, two Fridays ago, right? That's right. Yes. Okay. So I technically had a week to install them in the car. Mm-hmm. So I was going to blame FedEx for my last-minute antics, but I guess I can't. I guess I can only blame myself. So... I was going to pre-build all four struts to put them in the car so that I could just jack the car up and swap them in the driveway without having to take them apart and then rebuild each one at each corner because that's annoying. Yep. Um, So I did that. I built the fronts. I built the rears. Um, The order of parts going in them was a little confusing on both fronts and rears because I didn't have other ones to go by. I was kind of eyeballing the parts that were there and assembling where I thought they should fit. So the fronts went together pretty much no problem. Um, The rears went together also pretty much no problem. Asterisk, come back to that later. So I did not put them in over the, put them together over the weekend. I didn't start assembling them until Monday, Monday, the holiday. So Monday, the 5th, I think July 5th. So I assembled them Monday, July 5th, the rears on Tuesday. And then went to put them in the car starting Wednesday. I was going to put them in the car. 
to leave for San Francisco, which for the geography challenged is about a 12 hour drive from Phoenix. So it's not close. So it's probably not wise to do all of this two days before leaving, but it is what it is. It's, that's where we're at. It's a busy weekend. We weren't around very much. So I had to do what I could do it. So what out the driveway, I'm tearing the car apart. I have all the struts already pre-built. Get the front up in the air. The first strut took me maybe an hour because um, I was kind of learning where everything was in the car and what did what and where and how. So no real challenges. Went together pretty well. Second strut took maybe 25 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't take much time at all. Once, once, once you know exactly how it goes together, it's a really easy job. You don't even need to pull the ball joint or take the brakes off. You just literally unbolt the two bolts on the strut and the three bolts on the strut tower and a couple of bolts holding brake lines and ABS sensors. You didn't do that so, the first time, did you? Didn't do what? Take like the try to take the ball joint off or anything? Oh no 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 no! <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just saying how easy it really is. I'm oh, just yeah, saying yeah. no, no, I didn't go that crazy. I uh, I I looked at it and said, well, it looks pretty simple as long as this control arm will swing down far enough. I shouldn't have to like pull a ball joint or anything. It should be pretty easy to do. So. Anyway, I get that side all taken care of, get the second side all taken care of. The only issue I ran into in the front is you had sent me a set of um, camber bolts. Yeah. Uh, and one of them came pre-stripped. Really? So, yeah, the nut itself is pre-stripped. So both bolts are fine, but the threads inside the nut are just trashed. And obviously, they were a different size, nothing, anything else I had on hand, and it was nighttime. Oh, they so, were, um, I think they were locking nuts. No, it's it's a hundred percent stripped. It's not it's not Weird. a locking nut issue. There, half of the threads are missing inside the inside the nut. Weird. I couldn't even get it hand started onto the onto the. It must have stripped when I took them off. Oh, did, had you used them before? Yeah, I had them in the town. Okay. I didn't know if they were new or I not. Would never use them again because the the coilovers have camber plates, so I didn't need right. them. Right. So I I will put them back in because I still. <sighs> Asterisk, I'll get back to that part of the story too. So I, I, I will put them in. I just need to get a bolt that, or sorry, a nut that actually fits the bolt. So well, lucky for you, I've got another set coming out of perfect. the out of the glant. I'm pretty sure I have a set in there because I'm waiting on the coilovers. But perfect. <laughs> if I do have a set in there, I'll send those to you. So anyway, it's got stock camber bolts in it, uh, stock mount bolts in it now. Anyway, which is fine. I mean, it's not. I wasn't going racing. It was no big deal to have camber bolts in there for this trip. Um, Fast forward to the back of the car. Um, the passenger side on a front wheel drive DSM is very difficult to do. It's much like the front. There's only there's actually less bolts holding it together. There's two on the strut tower on the top, and there's one in the bottom, a la a standard style shock absorber. The problem is there's, and you're gonna you're gonna yell at me, Andrew, if you get the name of the part wrong. The bar that connects the rear axle, like beam axle to the body, like a panhard rod, a panhard rod is what you'd call it on a track bar on a a track bar. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. A track bar. Um, The bolt for that and the exhaust or sorry, the mount for that on the body and the exhaust both are in the way of the inside bolt on the rear strut. Hmm. So. It involved 
maybe two and a half feet of extensions and an impact socket huh. to get it to get it off and get it on because there was no other, there was no way to get anything in there and have any kind of swing to it unless you had like the world's longest extension and had two people to 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 get it off of there because I was going to just put the wrench on the outside of it and then rest it up against something and use the impact and just hope for the best. But the problem was what it would rest up against because you couldn't put it in front would be a brake hose. So that was obviously not ideal to put an impact against. So um, it just took a very long extension on the uh, impact gun. So it did, it did come off, but it was it was a bit challenging getting it off. So uh, they're pretty easy to do otherwise. You jack the, jack the body up. Uh, separate, obviously, you don't jack it on the rear trailing arm or the rear axle beam because you need to move that to adjust for the new shock to go in. So get that all taken care of. I was doing one side at a time, so I put the car down on the ground, and I noticed that the top of the shock shaft shot up into the car. Yep. I tried to warn you about that um, because it did. I did it on the Galant when I first put it together. Uh, I think I misunderstood what you said. Yeah. Um, and the problem is, so you sent me along these washers with the used parts from the old Talon struts that you sent me mm-hmm. and said, hey, you're going to need one of these per side. And you do need one per side. They go on the top of the bushings underneath the nut that holds the whole assembly together. What is not clear is that when you change from the factory strut bellows to an aftermarket strut bellows, the factory strut bellows in the cap is like a plastic cap on top of the bellows that the bump stop goes inside of. Yeah. But inside that cap, it's a built-in metal washer. And on the aftermarket ones, that cap that goes over the top is just plastic with no washer. So it looks identical until you actually like take it apart and feel what it's made out of. So what happened was there was nothing to stop the shock shaft from coming up through the rubber mounts because the metal washer that was built into the other bellows is not built into the aftermarket one. And it's not, again, clear that it's not there until you've put the whole thing together. Now, if I had done the assembly of the struts next to the car, I probably would have noticed it when I was taking the old ones apart. But since I did them on the bench inside the house in the air conditioning first, I didn't notice that. And even with your instruction, I thought I was good. Now I was not good. I'm trying to think. I think I cut them out of the old ones now. And that was just something I also forgot because it's been so long. Yeah, that would make sense. Because like I said, they, they are in there and the aftermarket ones are just plastic. Yeah. So they don't, they, they don't, obviously, you can't retain the weight of a car in a millimeter thick piece of plastic. Yeah. So I, so. I did know about it and I tried to warn you, but I had also, I, th- I also think I forgot something too. Yeah. In, instructions unclear did fail, unfortunately, but not a huge deal. The only problem was, is now that's Wednesday night, right? I'm planning on leaving Thursday at 4 30 p.m. right after work. Um, but it was like Wednesday night. And at this point, it was like 11 o'clock. And I was just frustrated and I was like, I thought I was like, you know, 20 or 30 minutes from the end. And now I'm like, I don't even know what to do because I wasn't sure yet what the problem was. So I got all frustrated, cleaned up all the tools, put them in the garage, shut the garage door, went in the house. 
said, well, I got to be, unfortunately, Thursday now is the one day a week I have to go to the office. So I couldn't even work on it like much in the morning because I had to be up and ready to go to the office to be there on time. So I was like, oh, whatever. I'll just wake up super early and I'll start working on the car. So I was out there at like 530. Um, the took the right rear strut apart that came on the car, like the one that I was replacing, saw that I was missing that metal bushing built into the plastic. I was like, mm. ah, that explains the whole thing. So then I was able to fix it and create the proper, you know, attention on everything, put it back together, put it in, put it in the ground. Everything's good. But by the time I got it all done, it was like, I don't know, 7, 10, And I'm like, well, I got to be in the office by eight. I'm already running behind. Like it's going to be like the world's fastest shower, get everything ready and go in the <laughs> super, super fast now as it is. So I don't have time to do the other side right now. So planning on leaving right at 4 30 after work i can come home you know i did swap around the parts on the other side already so i had already put the metal washer in the replacement strut for the left side so all i had to do was slap the strut in i just ran out of time in the morning i was like great i can do this when i get home so i left i went to work and i said to naomi i was like hey you know just we'll get everything packed up i'll come home i'll slap that strut in hopefully we can get out of here you know by 5 5 30 at the latest so then around about noontime on Thursday, my brain is going a million miles an hour. I'm all stressed out thinking about like all I have to do to get ready to leave to drive to San Francisco. Um, I got a video chat from Naomi. Yeah. And she's in the garage and she's drenched in sweat. And she's like, hey. And she turned the camera around. She's like, so this is done. So she's literally put the strut in for me. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, because she was working from home, so she had that extra hour in the morning to get it done. And then at lunchtime, she went out and finished it. Nice. So don't know where she came from, but love that girl tremendously. And she completed the suspension install in my car while I was at work. So And it's a and it wasn't uh wasn't riding up higher in the back like we feared. No, actually the front is higher than the back is. The only thing I can think of is we can double check part numbers. I don't know why they would do this, but maybe the top strut mount, uh, spring mount is different for an all drive. So I'm thinking, mm, I doubt it, but also uh all wheel drive car would be like, probably like a hundred pounds heavier in the front with a transfer case in there. Yeah, maybe it's kind of closer to the middle of the car, but it's under the engine. It's right under the, the transfer case. Yeah, I guess I guess it is pretty much in line with the suspension there. But I don't um, think it would make that much of a difference. Yeah, it, it's not enough to be concerned about. It's got a little bit of a sag in the back. Uh, also, I drove it all weekend loaded up with stuff for a road trip to and from San Francisco. So, like, we had a cooler full of ice. And I tried to put everything, like, I, I folded the back seats down and put it in the middle of the car so it wasn't hanging out over the back axle. Um, but... Uh, maybe once I dump everything out of it, it'll look a little more even. We'll find out. I haven't had a chance to clean it yet because literally I pulled in the driveway last night at 4 a.m. and went to bed. So yeah, it's weird. I don't, it's, I mean, it's not that much. I feel like I looked at pictures of my car with those springs in it and it didn't really, it was more even, but not much more. Right. Anyway, I'm not stressed out about it. It looks fine. I don't think anybody will ever say anything. And then if they do, I really don't care. Because it's my car, and it drives almost really nice. 
now yeah. the new struts are in it. Yeah. Is it not too it's not too stiff or No, it rides really nice, honestly. It it going down the highway. So the AC that car is ice cold. Yeah. Um, which is nice because it was a hundred and five degrees or whatever when we we're trying to drive out there. Um the AC is really nice and cold. The car is pretty quiet. There's not a lot of rattles in the highway. Like it just it just works and drives like a modern car. There was not much there was not much to say I wasn't just sitting in, you know, my Volkswagen Jetta wagon driving down the road. The cruise control works, the AC works, it's comfortable, the windows are up nice and sealed. You know, there's no major issues there. Except for asterisk back to that one in a minute. Um everything seemed pretty good in the car. So the one thing that still needs to be done before the car is perfect is I do have to do the control arms. Um, I was going to do them before this trip. I just didn't get them in time. Mm-hmm. Um, plus I want to do the, um, the caster angle bushings mm-hmm. in the control arms. So I knew I wasn't going to do that either. So the control arm bushings are a little worn out and the sway bar links are worn out. So there's on a bumpy road, it's got some, Sounds that sound concerning because there's a lot of rattling going around, but it's just worn out rubber. So it's it's still a little bit sloppy in that regard, but overall it's a transformed car. We, we were driving down Coastal, Ro- Coastal Road 1 uh, and through like between like Little Sur and Big Sur. There's some really nice, windy, twisty roads there. And the car was way more planted than it's ever been since I've owned it. I, the struts were pretty blown in the back before. So there wasn't a lot of control while the car was turning because the struts were working too hard, bouncing up and down. Um, and that is 100% gone now. And the car is like, it's it's a dream to take around corners now. Like it really is. And that getting rid of that rattle in those parts will just make it that much better. And the car will just be like a brand new car to drive. Yeah, because we were worried about so. the, um, the spring rate being too stiff, but. Because the all-wheel drive springs are stiffer, supposedly, than the front-wheel drive springs because of the diff and the carrier and all that stuff in the back. So, But, but also, those those springs spent time on your old Talon and then my old my Talon. It's not my old Talon. It's still my Talon. Your current Talon, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so. Well, those springs have been in the possession of one of the two of us since the year 2000. Yeah. So those springs are 21 years old. They look pretty in. good. They look pretty good considering. Yeah, considering but, both cars saw some weather. Yeah, my car was a daily all through four seasons, and your car was for like a year or two. So it definitely they definitely saw some weather, and they look pretty good considering they don't they don't look like rusty chunks underneath that not rusty car. So that's good. Otherwise, that's going to paint them. <laughs> but so that's all well and good. Um, suspension. What else did it happened? Oh, so the other thing that was I was going to do to the car, you know. But I was doing the suspension and Naomi asked what you could do to help to get the car ready. And I was like, well, I've been trying to get the cowl and the wipers painted for a long time because they're kind of rusty as they mm-hmm. all get from the sun exposure. Mm-hmm. I was like, if you want to take those off the car and paint those while I do this, that would be a huge help because I want to get it done before the show. She's like, oh, perfect. That's easy enough. So she took those all off the car, scuffed them down, sanded them, washed them, painted them. They came out great. Looked brand new. Perfect. She put them back on the car. She didn't want to over tighten them. And I agree with this because they're over the windshield and you don't want to a strip out the little plastic things they go into or B crack the windshield. Right. So they were on tight enough, but not over tightened. Everything seemed fine. Wipers worked driving the car down the road all of a sudden. So let me back up a little bit. I apologize. 
we didn't wind up leaving Thursday night because by the time I got to work, by the time I got all packed up, and then I decided last minute, I was like, you know what? It's going to be really hot out on this road trip. The radiator hoses in this car, if they're not original, are near original. I'd like to replace them or at least get replacements to have with us in case we have an issue. I can have radiator hoses on the side of the road. They look, they're in decent shape, but they're just, the car's 93 and they look original. They have that weird texture to them that the original hoses had. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to pick up some hoses. So we had to go to an uh, auto zone in town and then had to get some dinner on the way out of town. And by the time we were ready to leave Thursday night, it was like 830. And I was like, well, if we drive now and we drive for four hours, it'll be midnight and we'll have to stop. And we'll only be four hours into our trip. Or we can just go home and get a good solid night's sleep and leave at like 5 a.m. So that's what we did instead. So we left at 5 a.m. Friday morning. It was nice and cool out. We, again, avoided L.A., so we went all the way up through the desert, which actually is prettier anyway than driving on the highways through L.A., and there's no traffic, so that was excellent. Um, it stayed cool until, I don't know, 1130. It was when it started getting warm out. We had to put the windows up. We put the windows up. The both windows go up. Once they seal, all of a sudden we hear this like, pop. And we're like, uh, okay. And then I notice there's a crack in the windshield. Oh, weird. That's strange. So we're driving a little more. And I see the crack grows in the windshield. And it grows in the windshield. And there's a second crack. And there's a third crack. And there's a fourth crack. Okay. And I'm hearing this wind rushing sound. So I'm watching the corner of the windshield and I can physically see the windshield moving up and down in the car. Oh, weird. So now I'm a little bit worried because you shouldn't have a windshield moving up and down in the car. We're probably at this point seven hours into our road trip. So whether I continue to go or I turn around, it's like almost equidistant at that point, right? Yeah. Okay, what do we do now? So we just kind of deal with it. I get to the next uh, gas stop at a Love's gas station, like one of those uh, road, big roadside ones. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, let's look into this. So I'm looking closely at the windshield. And I've never paid too much attention because it was there. I knew it was a cheap replacement at some point in the car's life because it has a couple of distorted spots in it. And it just is not a great windshield. So I'm looking closer at it. And it turns out that the entire windshield is off to the left somewhere between a quarter and a half of an inch. Oh. But that must be where it's been glued in place. I just never paid attention to it. So what happened was when we took the cowl and the wipers off, apparently whoever put the windshield in used them as part of the structure of the car. So when we didn't tighten them down as harsh as they were before, we didn't tighten the base of the windshield down like it was before. Now, bear in mind, I've driven this car from, I bought it in Alabama two years ago today, actually. Drove it to Boston. Yep. Drove it from Boston to Phoenix, Phoenix to Austin, Texas, Austin, Texas, back to Phoenix, and I never had an issue. We took the cowl panel off, painted it, put it back on, and didn't over-tighten it, and now we had an issue. The cowl panel is not supposed to be structural. No. It's a very thin piece of metal. <laughs> That's all it is. So this car apparently had a structural cowl panel where the left corner of the windshield was. There was not enough glue to hold it in place. 
and then I looked inside the windshield, like under the front edge of the dash, and somebody at some point in the car's life filled it with that black rubber caulking. Yep. Because they probably had a leak before. And it was probably at that point when they over-tightened the cowl panel to hold it in place. Right. So I'm looking closer at the windshield. I can physically take my hand and push on it and watch it bounce up and down. Oh, boy. Like a quarter of an inch. Like a, a huge amount of... A, a very large amount of movement that the car shouldn't have in the windshield. Like the glass is structural to the car. Like it shouldn't have any movement in it at all. And then I'm looking up the side of the glass. And you know how most modern glass has that black paint and edge on it. Yep. Um, we all, we know it from building model cars and we hate having to paint it. <laughs> um, I can see that that is all the black paint is missing all the way from the base, all the way to the roof in like what looks like the pattern of the black rubberized caulking underneath it. So the paint came off when it lost its seal. Ah. So it was loose from the top left corner of the roof to the bottom left corner of the fender. Thankfully, the way the first gen Talon and Eclipse are designed, they have that roof molding that goes from the base of the windshield up over to the hatch. Yeah. And it rivets into the car. Screwed on. Screwed into the car. You have to yeah. take that off to do the windshield. Correct. So thankfully, that does hold the windshield in place. So the windshield can't come beyond that because it overlaps the windshield and it's screwed in place. Mm-hmm. So now we're like, all right, well, we don't want this windshield to keep cracking. How do we fix this? We need to go inside and see if we can find some kind of like a duct tape, which is ugly, but it is what it is. The windshield is already cracked to the point of there's probably two, three, or four separate cracks now. Basically what happened, it started spidering up from where the glue was still attached. So like the windshield was flexing to the point where it was still glued, and then it was, cr- it was cracking from there. So huh. it's it's spidered all over, obviously, the driver's side. Thankfully, below my line of sight, so it wasn't too bad. Um, so I was filling up with gas, doing the oil. Actually, I used this rest stop also to check all the suspension bolts again, just because it had been, you know, a few hundred miles. I wanted to make sure everything was nice and tight. Um, she went inside to find some kind of adhesive. And, uh, as seen on TV, we got some flex tape. Yeah. Um, I am a firm believer in the flex tape. Yeah. <laughs> so it did two things for us. We put two pieces of it underneath the cowl. Is it clear? It's clear, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. We put two pieces of it underneath the cowl to kind of make up the difference between over-tightening the cowl and the windshield so that it had less room to move now. So almost like a... like We jammed it in there like a wedge. Is the stuff, like, thick? It's pretty thick, yeah. It's a few mils. I mean, it's... Weird. I don't know. It's thicker than duct tape, but it's... uh. I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's pretty thick. Um, I'm trying to think. It's it's almost like like a cardboard coaster. Oh, like like it's, it's like that thick, but it's clear plastic. Huh. Um, but anyway, so we put it up, a couple pieces inside there, and then I put a couple pieces on the windshield, and like I stretched it and smoothed it into place up against that molding I was talking about, and up, up over the edge of the molding. And once the sun hit it. And that stuff is like, it's like a rock. The windshield, you, you can't even move it uh, a micrometer now when you try to push on it. It doesn't move at all. So we had figured out when you put the windows all the way up, that's when you could watch the window buffeting because the way yeah, the air was moving inside yeah. the car. Yeah. So we, we did the rest of the trip up to that gas stop with you know the window cracked you know just a little tiny bit 
just to keep the pressure in the car from pushing the windshield out. <laughs> but once we had that tape on there and it had it all set down like that, we put the windows up and 85 miles an hour, not as not any movement at all from that windshield. Weird. So sounds flex like, tape works. Sounds yeah. like we'll have to add it to the roadside repair bag. Uh-huh. Oh, 100%. 100%. It's 100% worth it. And it's, it's the same one they show. I forget the guy's name. I was trying to remember it just now before I came on here. The, the Flex flex Seal guy. I don't think he has he, a name. It's not like Billy Mays. He yeah, died. he's the... Well, yeah, he did too many drugs. But it's the other um, guy, the heavyset guy. It's, yeah, it's the guy that makes the, the, the boat with no... Bo- the screen bottom boat and then covers it with Flex Seal. <laughs> we cut it's, a boat in half. That's the new one, too. Yeah, exactly. Or he takes the... The meme of him now yeah. with the with this with flex tape and the big jug of water, yeah. and it's like low employee morale and terrible work conditions. It's like pizza party, and it's the tape like that one. It's that guy. It's that product. The stuff. I'm a hundred percent firm believer in it now. So it's uh, it worked really well for the situation. Would it have worked well with something with moisture? I don't know. I did take the car through a car wash before Radwood, and. It was one of the most brutal car washes I've ever been in, which I regretted immediately. It didn't have cloth. First of all, it wasn't touchless because there were no touchless car washes around. So I was like, whatever. I don't care. The car's filthy from a road trip. We got to get to the show. Um, I ran for this car wash and literally the fingers on the things that slapped the car were like thick rubber. <laughs> it was the worst car wash. I'm pretty sure it it took paint off my car. I, I'm pretty sure. But Anyway, with this giant car wash machine smashing the crap out of the windshield, it didn't leak or move a bit. And the tape isn't even like peeling on an edge. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in adding this to the bag of roadside repair tricks. So I think if you cracked an oil pan, if you cleaned it up enough, you could probably patch it with this and get home. That's just what reading the description of it. Super strong, rubberized, waterproof tape. Yeah, uh, that's how I would... That's how I would explain it. And it's clear oh. enough that here you go. Can be applied hot or cold, wet or dry, even underwater. Huh. Well, it was dry. So it, it worked very well in the dry. I'm not sure. Cannot confirm that it work, would work wet or cold because it was 110 degrees and it was very dry. We were, we were in the desert. <laughs> so it works in desert conditions. But it was it was a hell of a repair. Anyway, that's the end of the drama with the car. The car made it there. Otherwise, totally fine. Uh, the only other minor issue I had was the air conditioning would freeze up um, every, I don't know, hour and a half or so. But it was so hot and the road temperature was so hot and the underhood temperature was so hot that we just turned it off for maybe a minute, minute and a half. Just long enough for it to start getting uncomfortable inside the car. And you turn it back on and it kicked back on cold for another hour and a half. So we got a little more time out of it if we left it on economy um, and about an hour and a half with it on full blown ice cubes. So I'll have to look into that, but I don't often drive the car for 12 hours. So it's not, not really a concern. <laughs> um, there were a couple of things I saw as far as uh, what causes that. One of them is possibly moisture in the system. Um, the other one obviously is just moisture outside the system because it's so cold and the air is so hot, but if there's moisture in the system, the car still has R12. So I don't want to mess with it because it works. Yeah. So it's like, it works enough to not worry about it. And 
unless it starts getting worse, I think I'm probably just going to leave it as is because it's not really a it's a quirk more than a problem, I guess. Right. Yeah. So until it becomes a problem, we'll just kind of leave it alone. So I mean, it's a 93 car that's never had the AC apart. I don't want to break the seals now. Yeah. So when you put them on economy, it cycles the compressor on and on. And uh... yeah, that's what I figured. So I'd get more more time before it froze over because there was time where it would not be pumping cold air constantly. So yeah, you can feel it. It'll kick on and off. Yep. I, and you can definitely feel it in a non-turbo eclipse because uh, it saps some power for sure. So, but yeah, overall it was a good trip with that car. Um, we drove up mostly like through Bakersfield and then up, the five for a bit and then across to uh, San Mateo where the show actually was made it to the show, met a bunch of people. That's a whole other topic. Uh, after the show, we did some of the San Francisco touristy stuff, went down to the golden gate bridge, you know, drove back and forth over the bridge, went down to the pier to the restaurant district down there, bought some touristy stuff for people back home, had a nice dinner at a Italian restaurant, um, Italian seafood restaurant, I should say. I saw you went down Lombard Street. We went down Lombard Street, which is definitely a neat experience. Uh, Everybody on Lombard Street, nobody commutes on Lombard Street. Everybody's a tourist. (laughs) So cars go very slow. There's a car in front of us that I would guess was a bachelorette party based on the uh, outfits and the amount of women squeezed into this Mercedes. Mm -hmm. And they were like hanging out of it, taking pictures and being generally pretty slow. So whatever. We're a tourist too, so it didn't bother me. (laughs) <laughs> just cruising down the hill slowly. So it's it's an interesting like engineering marvel for its time, thinking that you know that street's been there since the early turn of the nineteenth, the the nineteenth century, twentieth century, twentieth century. So it's cool. It's a neat it's a neat city. You know, I went into it with mixed uh, feelings based on what people had been telling me that it was like, um, and I will tell you from experience, it's not bad. So. Uh, I can't be any worse than New York or something. Or I, that's what it was. People were like, oh man, there's homeless people everywhere. People are pooping on the streets, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Um, I think the only people in any even... major city, <laughs> right? <laughs> I've seen people poop on the streets in Boston before. It's not a big. It's not. Uh, I mean, it's a big deal, but it's not shocking at this point. I think the only people we saw causing any issues were actually car and motorcycle people down in like the touristy area doing burnouts and wheelies. Which is, you know, it's annoying and childish, obviously, but it's also kind of entertaining. So, and the cops are down there, so they all got pulled over and got written tickets. So it's not like it's not like it's a free for all, but it was it was an interesting time. It was a good time. Um, I would go back when I have more time, but we had to turn around and come home because Monday comes at you fast. So we uh, left Sunday morning and. I guess we can go back to the show afterwards. So well, let's go to the show. So Rad was back. It sure is. Car life is back. Events are happening. Um, they had a pretty big venue. It reminded me a lot of Redwood 2. It was that same kind of vibe. That's what it looked like in the pictures. Yep. Um, it was the same kind of vibe that Redwood 2 was. That was at the Phoenix Club in LA or Anaheim. Um, this was at the San Mateo Event Center. So actually people who are local to our home there in Massachusetts know like the Top Field Fairgrounds. 
mm-hmm. where it has like grassy parking areas and cement parking areas and like a corral where there would be horses and then a building where there was food and a building with bathrooms. It was a similar situation to that. Like if it's a fairgrounds kind of build, kind of kind of vibe. So they had the food open. Um, and food was reasonably priced for an event. You know, like twelve dollars for a, a burger and French fries and a drink, um, which is not cheap. But at the end of the day, like it could have been thirty. You know what I mean? Like, so it's fine. Um, the only thing that was a little bit tough was the event space only allowed one gate to be open for entry. So oh, we weird. we did have two lines going in the gate, and one of the things I was doing to help out was I was uh, checking tickets and giving out wristbands. But they had a team of security guards that was there as well that had to go through every car. Oh. Yeah. So that delayed things a little bit. And the line to get in was at times a little bit overbearing, but people were pretty cool about it. Um, in the same general area was was like the county's um, COVID uh, vaccination site was in the same part of the big parking lot outside the show. So that was happening at the same time. And there was a gemstone show like across the event space, another spot. So there was a lot of activity in the general area. So that's why we only had the one gate to work with. So the security guards checking through the cars took a little bit of extra time. Uh, and it took a couple of talking to the security guards to tell them like, can't like slam the trunks and then like slap the quarter panel to tell them to go into the show. Like that's not cool. Like, the guy, he's the guy's like, you know, I watched the security guy take the trunk load of this 308 Ferrari and like slam it closed and then just like walk up next to the car and like, you know, do the whole like typical cop security guard move where he's like <laughs> on the quarter panel. Like, you're good to go. And like, you can't, you can't do that. Like, just tell them <laughs> they don't appreciate you smashing their car with your fist. <laughs> like, it's a car show. <laughs> it's probably fine, but still, you, you just can't do that. <laughs> Somebody's going to get mad. There's some pretty high end stuff here. So they stopped doing that eventually, but like watching one of the security guards take like an M3 with, you know, the M3 lightweight fiberglass spoiler and just fling the trunk open and watch them, the spoiler hit the back window of the car. Like, ah, (laughs) it was definitely interesting on that, that spec of things. But other than that, it was pretty good. So, um, 500 plus cars. Wow. Yeah. 500 plus cars, four Lancia Delta Integrales. Hmm. Um, two Ferrari 308s. One, which was like a 250,000 mile car that the guy drives. It was spectacular until it got hit in his hotel parking lot the night before, which is annoying, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then one that's also a high mileage car with Pennsylvania tags. He drives all over the country and it had these giant hella lights on the front and a roof rack on the engine cover that was covered with all their luggage. And they literally just use this 308 to drive all over the country with. Super cool use case for that car. Like, probably expensive, but still a cool vehicle to drive all over the country. And all I could think of seeing the front of a 308 with giant hellas with the white hella covers was Cannonball Run. Mm-hmm. Because exactly. every car in that movie has got giant hellas on it, and this was that same look, and it was super cool. Um... Other than that, you know, typical Radwood, the, the the vibe was good. People were happy. People had to be back in touch with each other, you know, literally in touch. People, some people hugging everywhere. Like, 
hey, world's a little bit normal, I guess. So y'all do you. Um, yeah, it was not, not, not a lot to report otherwise. Um, crazy good cars. I managed to park next to, based on the order we came in, a uh, deep burgundy 85 Old Cutlass, hmm. which is like exactly my car from high school. Right down to the color this guy chose to paint it. I think it was the same Ford color code. <laughs> so it was weird being parked next to like... It was like being parked next to 1997 Brad with 2021 Brad right there. So somehow I was still driving an old chip box, but that's beside the point. But it was neat. Uh, I met a bunch of listeners of the show. Uh, spent some time hanging out with uh, Alex Dadel. So big ups to him and his wife. He actually brought me some rad era matchbox cars to hang in my garage. Nice. So that was cool. Uh, he, he brought his... Uh, as he self-describes it, his only running, currently running rad era car is Porsche Boxster. So, need to see that. Um, who else did I meet while I was there? Uh, I'm horrible with names, unfortunately. So, I don't want to uh, say wrong names, I guess. <laughs> um, I met... Uh, Twitter user. I know his Twitter username. I can't think of his first name, unfortunately. Uh, Midnight Derifto. Super nice guy. A uh, kid named Patrick who takes pictures. He's a photographer. And I don't remember his name, his, his username online, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, the people from the East Coast that do those uh, one hell of a town stickers. They have stickers and buttons and different neat like automotive ephemera. Yep. They're uh, Saab and Porsche fans. They had a booth set up there. So I met them being as, you know, we're all from New England. So we had some in common to talk about right there. And they were out just for the show. And they had bought a Porsche 944 that they've been taking to a few shows out there. And they were planning on leaving in storage out there and then flying home. More on that in a minute. Um, super cool people. Sid and David, I met. Those are them. Um, got a couple stickers. I got you some I love terrible ugly car stickers. So our terrible cars, that's what it is. Oh terrible car stickers. Yes. Get some of those for you. Um they had a Radwood exclusive sticker, which is kind of neat. Um they neat stuff. It's neat because they don't have the typical car stuff. They have like they're a little more alternative from what you'd expect from car people. Uh and it's awesome to see that. Again, that's the whole Radwood like, you know, open and accepting culture that's there. So that was that was neat. Um, oh, let's see. What else to talk about the show? I mean, there were two Monteros. That's what Ottawa Topic listeners care about. There were two Monteros and two Starions and one Eclipse. That was the Mitsubishi content. So I don't know who owned. There was a Fiji blue Starion that was really nice. And there was a red Starion that belongs to Instagram user Star Cruiser Drive Yard. Star Cruiser Drive Yard, I think it's called. He does like inst- he does stickers of Starions and Celicas and and that kind of stuff. So look him up. Um, I don't know who owned one of the Monteros. The other one was owned by Andrew P. Collins, the J- uh, Jalopnik writer. He's Jalopnik, right? Or Car Bibles now? I don't know what his current thing is. Is it Car Bibles or is it's it Car Bibles through Jalopnik? They're separate or related? Separate, right? Totally separate. Car Bibles okay. owned by the Drive. Okay, so he's with Carbibles. He's the now. head editor. Okay. 
So he used to be with Jalopnik, though, I think, right? That's why I'm confusing it. Yes. Okay, perfect. Anyway, so his Montero was there. Um, there was a couple of Subaru SVXs, you know, like I said, four Lancia Delta Integrales, um, E30 Touring. I just, I, countless awesome cars. I, I, I did learn at this event that I do want to have a Peugeot 505 with a manual at some point. I know it's kind of stealing away from your thunder of wanting a French car, but I didn't fall in love with one until I heard one and saw it driving away. And that big sedan with like the really low belt line with the sound that car made was like, oh, I need that car. So those are neat cars. Um, what else? Uh, a guy from the internet that we know, Ampro Automotive and Ampro Engineering. There is two Instagram accounts, one for his weird car taste and one for his RC cars. And obviously we dig RC cars and he does vintage RC stuff from the 80s and restores it, which is right up our alley. Uh, also does modern RC stuff too, but give give him a follow. He's got some cool stuff out there. Uh, he actually won Radist Import with his Fiat Ritmo Cabriolet, which is... Uh, I guess the best way to describe it would be an Italian Volkswagen Rabbit Gabby. Like it has like the handle hmm. roll bar and a plaid interior and a super cool car. So, yeah, overall, it's a great show. It's good to see everybody, you know, the whole official Radwood group together again and, you know, help help them out. And they only work merch like usual. But everybody and anybody because everybody goes to the merch table. They did very well, and it's encouraging to see that uh, things are getting back to what we're used to, you know? So I'll finish the trip story up. We drove home the following morning. We went down the coastal road. Like I said, we had a pretty pretty scenic day. It was a perfect weather day. The fog burned off probably around 1030 or so. It was pretty heavy fog up till then. Um, so the was only- it cooler in San Francisco? Oh, my goodness, yes. So that marine layer is a real thing. It was in the morning. So the, the actual event Radwood was in San Mateo, which is yeah. a little bit further away from the coast. Not like a lot, but a little bit. And it was pretty warm. It was probably high 80s, low 90s most of the day. But Sunday morning going and, and then Saturday night we went, we went into San Francisco. I mean, it was it was sweatshirt weather. It was 55 degrees. So it was not warm. And then when we left, I think part of the reason that the fog hung around as long as it did is because that area has been having a heat wave and now it was cool. So again, it was probably 60 degrees, even in the sun on Sunday morning, driving through like San Francisco and then the coast. So it was not warm. It was not anything like they have been experiencing. Yeah. So we went down coastal road one, went through all the cities there, um, all the way down to like where Bakersfield pretty much meets up with the the 10 down there. Um, the only catch we had that day, thankfully, was not ours. We ran into the fine folks from one hell of a town. Um, I came around a corner and I was like, oh, 944, parked on the side of the road with Vermont plates. I know who that is. <laughs> so we pulled over to check out and see if they were okay, and they weren't there. They had a little sign in their car with their phone number. Not that there was any service. Um, and it said, Hey, we're down at, and it was the name of a restaurant called like the, the Nepethane, Nepethane. I don't remember. It's a weird name for some restaurant out that way. Um, it's on route one. 
So like, well, we'll take a ride down there and we'll see if we can find them and see if they have some simple problem we can help with. You know, I brought all the tools with me. I had sockets and wrenches and screwdrivers and some all, all the basic stuff you might need to um, fix a car on the side of the road as long as you don't need any parts. Mm-hmm. So I went down, we uh, found them at the restaurant and said, hey, what's going on? Because we'd met them the day before because, again, they had a, a merch booth set up next to the Radwood merch booth. So we spent the day next to them pretty much. Um, and they're like, oh, hey, you know, thanks for stopping in. Like, what's going on? So David said he thinks they blew the timing belt in the car. Yep. And I was like, okay, well, what's it doing? So he said what it's doing. And I was like, that doesn't sound good. I said, we can probably check the pull a timing cover off and take a look. And if it's not that, we can figure out something else, right? So he's like, oh, I'm not sure. So we're trying to figure out how to help him out. So the problem is they were kind of in a bad spot at the top of the hill. Where there was nowhere for a tow truck to get in there without blocking route one on a blind curve which yep. is obviously not not ideal <laughs> so I, I was sitting there i'm like all right i got an idea I said david you and i can go up there at the top of a hill we can push the car back a little bit so you can get a clear shot just then just push the clutch in and roll it down the hill i'll ride behind you and there's a big open parking area under the trees in the shade where there's plenty of room for a tow truck so we can at least get the car like in a better spot and he's like all right that's cool so we went up there um, he did it, cranked it over real quick just so I could hear it. And uh, unfortunately, it's definitely coming from inside the timing cover. Don't even need to take it apart and look, you can tell. But it's still turning, so it's probably the tensioner let go, I would assume. Because if a belt let go, you wouldn't probably hear it flapping around as much. So it just sounds like it lost time. And the tensioner failed, is my guess. My, my uneducated... I don't know Porsche's very well guess, but well, I do know Mitsubishi's and that whole entire timing belt design is licensed from Mitsubishi. So it's not a good sound. We'll put it that way. Yeah, it's um interference too. So it's definitely interference. Yep. And it it let go while driving at speed. So chances are pretty good that uh that motor is junk. Um, whether it's a belt or a tensioner, but they were sold the car recently under the guise of it has a brand new timing belt. So oh. that also lends credence to possibly being the tensioner. Maybe somebody didn't put a tensioner in it um, or didn't put it in proper or didn't or, do the water pump proper or, or the balance, or the balance belt the balance let go. Belt. Yeah. So either way, the balance belt will usually take out the timing belt and you have an issue. So. Uh, anyway, the car stopped, ceased running while driving, which is never positive. So, um, so we the car down there in the shade, managed to uh, went back down and then picked up uh, Sid and Naomi and went back up to where the car was, where David was, and left them with a bunch of ice water. And uh, the tow truck had promised to be there within about an hour of then. So they were comfortable staying there because they were in the trees and they could you know be comfortable there and not have to sit in the bright sun at the top of the hill and be clipped by a car passing by. So we, well, I couldn't get them fixed better than that. At least we got them to a better spot. You know, you gotta do what you gotta do. So we tried our best, but we made new friends and helped them a little bit. But other than that, the trip was uneventful. We drove the rest of the way home. Um, made it home about, like I said, four o'clock yesterday morning. And here we are. <laughs> so, hmm. Been a long day because I had to work today, so somehow I forgot to take today off. Yeah, I don't, can't help you there. 
Nope, that was my own fault. I remembered to take Friday off, but I forgot to take today off, so it's fine. I just had to go to the office today, so I was able to just roll out of bed at 8 and walk into mm-hmm. my office and start working. So, but yeah, so that's uh, that's the uh, weekend plus the repairs in a nutshell. I don't think there was anything, anything else major happening with the car between me fixing it and Naomi finishing it and us getting on the road and and being successful. Oh, I did buy a new tool. You need an auto off topic tool review. Oh yeah. Icon, the higher end line of Harbor Freight tools. I didn't know that was a thing. So they have the regular Harbor Freight, um, super cheap stuff. Then they have a middle of the road line, which I can't remember the name of, but it's whatever the uh, Pittsburgh is the middle of the road line. So you can get like the super cheap stuff there. They didn't get the Pittsburghs, and then they have the icons. And the icons are significantly more expensive than the Pittsburghs by a lot. See, I think it would be the San Francisco's, but why is that? Pittsburgh, San Francisco. Sure. There's also Chicago. <laughs> oh, Chicago is their uh, electric tools. Chicago Electric, right? That's Harbor yeah. Freight's electric tools. So anyway, Icon is their is their brand of higher end tools. Um, they're trying to compete with you know the Snap On and Craftsman of the world. Um, sure. <laughs> I, I, listen though, I I bought the Icon torque wrench. Yeah. If you did, if you didn't tell me it was a Harbor Freight tool and handed it to me, I'd never would guess. The functionality of the whole tool is up there with a craftsman for sure. Maybe not quite as polished as a snap on, but it's a, uh, it's a really good piece. Um, it's a little, they have, they have $30 torque wrenches there, but the icon one, it's like 110 or 115 for the three eighths drive. Um, it comes with all the certifications and all yeah. the you know calibrations that the cheap ones don't come with. Um, and I was honestly, I'm super impressed with it. And I've only used it a few times now. I used it for the suspension install, and I used it on the wheels. Um, and it, it's it 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 functions like a very a very nice tool for something you bought for Hyper Freight. So it's uh it's not it's not a problem. It's a good tool. So I would highly recommend if you're looking to buy a torque wrench, the Icon torque wrench is good. And I was sold on these because I used somebody's Icon like just normal three eighths ratchet. And you can tell a cheap ratchet the second you start using it just on how it feels when it clicks. And they feel, again, like, you know, a craftsman quality ratchet. So I'm not sure what their what the difference is. I mean, they probably have finer teeth and gears and, you know, better construction practices than the cheap ones do. But overall, they're they're pretty good. <laughs> so can recommend. So I've gone on now, Andrew, for quite some time. What uh, what do you have to say today? Yeah, yeah. Um, a hour, well, an hour of Brad. Sorry, move on. Yeah, what'd you do? Well, uh, a few people have been trying to get me to go to the Andover Cars and Coffee mm-hmm. in Andover, Mass, and um, finally it was lined up with my schedule. So took right over there, which is nice because it's pretty close, and uh, it was a good mix of cars, real good mix. Um, one fourteen. No, it's in downtown Andover. Like 133? Uh, 125? Okay, yep, that works too. Um, like Excellent. downtown, like n- near the Cafe Nero, and there's like some other coffee shops. Where the Chevy dealer is? 
Nope. Opposite direction. Uh, other downtown. Yeah. <laughs> New, newer downtown versus old downtown. I think so. I've never been to that part of Andover ever. Like, okay. To me, Andover is just like a stretch a, of. It's a pass through one, along yeah. one fourteen. Yeah, it's a pass through. Uh, um, but no, living in really- George, living in Georgetown, like I did for so long, I spent a little bit of time in Andover, so I knew a little bit more than uh, somebody who's on on the North Shore, like you are in Peabody. The Merrimack Valley knows Andover a little more, I think. But, yeah, anyway. it's in between. It's kind of. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Good mix of cars, a lot of good vintage stuff. Um, there was a super clean 300ZX. Uh, I was surprised to see a. Uh, I hadn't seen a Mark IV Supra in forever. Yep. Um, there was a really cool um, four door 510. I saw that it had like Connecticut plates or something too, which I thought was yep. strange. Yep. Come from far. Our, uh, our other. See my... One of our other Jordans that we're friends with. Who has the Datsun 620 pickup truck? Yep, that is a 620, yeah. right? Yeah, um, uh, no, that's a 521. Okay, he's gonna yell at me next time. J- JJ Dotman, I think, is his Instagram name. Yeah, um, he was there with that truck, and uh, he was he knew him, and he's, his name is Devin. Yeah, I ended up talking to him. He was a real nice guy. Um, new Dad Club, we uh, found out. So excellent. We were talking about that. Um, what else is there? Something, oh, there was like a really an Alfa Romeo uh, Milano, which I hadn't seen in like forever. And it had like factory Recaros. They must have been factory because they match the back seat. Okay. Um, I, think they, I think they are factory in some of those cars. Yeah. Really cool car. Um, yeah, there was that. I mean, there was air-cooled Porsches. Uh there's the cleanest SRT4 I've seen in like forever, like a totally stock one. Yeah, those aren't a thing anymore. I didn't think they existed anymore. Yeah, yeah I, I did see one in California. Where I took a picture and sent to you actually. The other day. <laughs> yeah. I was like, hey, look, there's two in the same weekend, opposite coasts. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good show. I'll definitely try to make that one again. Yeah, I was impressed looking at not only your pictures but other people's pictures too. I didn't see like a line of new Chargers and a line of new Mustangs and a line of new name your other car like it was there was a lot more vintage stuff there was, there was like some stuff 10, i could see but there's like 10 mark sevens but they must have come together it's like the the most common new i mean i see a lot of mark 7 gti's but they are also a really good car so yeah i mean it's, it's probably the best sub forty thousand dollar car you can buy it's the for a daily it's, it's the only well other than uh you can get a a civic si or a gti right like that's really the only thing yeah, it's not the you know it's, it doesn't compete with the Type R. It's not the same. I no, but it's also it's not fifty grand like a Type R. Exactly. It's yeah. the closest is to a it'd be like either a Civic Si or a GTI. Yeah, if I was in the market to spend like average new car money, I'd I'd, I'd have a hard time buying anything but a new GTI. And had I not wanted more room, I would have bought one instead of the right. Alltrack. Right. Actually, funny story. I did see a Great Falls Green Alltrack on Coastal Route One with mass plates weird yeah i was well, like oh it's andrew <laughs> you know what's funny is we spent last week up in new hampshire around winnipesaukee and uh you know obviously a lot of subarus a lot of cross tracks sure um but that's the most all tracks i've seen like <laughs> like it's just funny I, I hadn't seen that many in a while and they're all up around the lake apparently interesting 
I also saw like my parents own some property up there. We were going to check it out. I, I came around the corner on the, the road there and uh, you can tell, I mean, it's the road also leads to a lot of waterfront houses and yeah. just an R8 was coming the other way. I was like, yep. that checks. So there's money up there is basically what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. A lot more than it used to be. Yep. Yeah. And my friend that lives up there was showing me is like, oh, I bought my midlife crisis car and he had a RS5. Oh, that's, like, good. that's like, good for you, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah. Um, my Cars and Coffee was cool. Uh, speaking of events, before we forget, uh, Misslewood, Concours de Elegance is coming up on uh, Sunday? Sunday, July 18th. 18th. Yeah. Yep, I was thinking about it. I actually don't know what time it starts. But... Um, Oh, I don't know. Like top 10. of my head, it's probably around like ten in the morning. I bet for like. Spectators. I can double check it. I can double check it while you continue to talk. So, yeah. So anyway, that's coming up. Uh, Brad's going to check on the start time for that. Um, you can. I'm sure you can buy tickets at the door. But uh, I know your dad runs it. He told me he's nine a.m. Nine a.m. He told me there's like some really heavy metal coming. Yeah, there usually is. Yeah, it's a pretty good show. I'm actually upset that I'm going to miss it because I'm coming to Massachusetts um, for a good chunk of time, but I'm coming the following weekend, which stinks, but it is what it is. All right. And then I project car updates. I did swap that O2 in the Galant. Excellent. With the correct connector now. Yeah. It worked. Uh, car runs a lot better. That's why I took the cars and coffee. Um, and I sent the other one back and someone gave me a full refund. So cool. Perfect. Perfect. And then I finished the snorkel install on the Montero. Horrible, horrible, fake Chinese part. Okay. It's mostly the uh, adapter to the inner fender that was just totally off. Like the snorkel fit fine, and like getting it on the contour of the fender with the template was fine. I wonder but if that's because you have a U.S. market vehicle and it's made for a uh, you know some Asian market vehicle and it's got a different intake because one of the biggest changes in the market of vehicles would probably be the air box, right? Cause it depends on air emissions. Well, it, the body side of it that touched the inner fender lined up perfectly, but where the tube came out, it like pointed completely away from where the snorkel would sit. Hmm. So I had to heat it up with a heat gun and bend it back over as, as long also with like trimming a ton of it off and it worked. For the I mean, most it looks- part. It looks good. So I can only get a clamp on the snorkel side of it. I, I bought a Spectre adapter that has like, it was like two and three quarter to three inch. Okay. And it was just like basic rubber instead of silicone. Worked really well. Um, but I couldn't, it had such a, there's like such a severe angle on it going to that adapter. The clamp would just slide off. Right. But it's but so it's t- tight. It it's can't, tight enough anyway. It can't physically move off of it because it's bolted the inner fender and the outer and right. the fender. Also, and, I'm and playing I mean, with it. Let's, then, let's be honest. Let's be honest. You're not going to ever submerge the thing in water anyway. No, no, because, so. <laughs> because I'm, as I'm looking at it and the air box where the factory air box has a little snorkel that attaches to the inner fender of the, yep. in the, on the engine side, it's like not even watertight there. You can move it away from there because it's just got foam sealer. Right. So this thing's not watertight. So you like need to make water some, some more modifications if you were to go fording rivers. 
and it's not really that's not really why people use these things it's for fresh air and cold air because if you drive on dusty trails uh like we do in maine in the summertime sometimes you turn it yep. the snorkel head the other way to not ram Dirt dusty air down there yeah plus it just looks cool so again it's, it's glam- glamour mods it's fine um eventually i had to take i unbolted the fender from the top and got it to flex out a little bit and that's how i got to the bolts that were in the back because i was like hmm, i could move the fender off or pull the washer bottle out for the headlights that's in the way it was far easier to move the fender off was it really oh yeah hmm. i think the washer bottle would be easier to move but i guess i wasn't there so. nope nope plus the uh, antenna was in the way so like it was just easier just to just to back the fender up so but it's on it looks cool so did i see you had to actually drill holes in your a pillar yes that made me nervous yeah i don't know and then three rivets held the bracket on yeah that just <laughs> it's it's probably my my new england like fear of rust that gets I, me going on that I all the time. Some film in there. <laughs> yeah. As, as we would for sure. But I just, I see like pristine sheet metal being drilled and I just go, uh, I mean, you don't want to see what I did to this fender to make it fit. No, I saw what you did to the fender actually, because he did send a picture and uh, I wasn't going to bring it up because it was, it was not pretty. Oh, it was, it's ugly, but it's all under the snorkel. <laughs> yeah. It was not pretty. You should probably buy another fender just to have it. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Whatever. It's not like you're taking it off anyway. So the truck gets old. It goes with the truck. I mean, I I put paint over the bare metal. Oh, of course. And I mean, then, you have I, to do that. then I also sprayed fluid film. In all there, inside the fender? Inside the fender and all of the hardware and around the holes before I put the thing on. And it's not like you drive the thing all winter anyway. So no. I mean, Either way, fin- it just it hurts it a little. The paint wasn't great, anyways. No, it, it hurts a little, but I get it. So I mean, if if I wanted to, you could take it off, and the whole car could be repainted. It's not... yeah, it is what it is. But it looks but, cool, and that's all that matters. It does look cool, but yeah. it was a pain. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. As as you attack the mall parking lot, you'll uh, uh-huh. you'll be very uh, well. When you're here, maybe one of the nights I'll make you help me uh, put the front bumper on. Traverse the parking lot of the mall? Oh, okay. Put a bumper on. Yeah. We should get in contact with Andy, who is a much better welder than the two of us combined, uh, and have him come by and give us a little assistance with that. But I have seen one get built, so I know how it's built. I mean, I can weld it because you're just going to – it's just going to – I'm just going to grind the welds down and then paint it. So it's not going to be – it's just going to well, be all smooth. I'm just saying it would be it would behoove us to have somebody who's better at welding present so that you'd have less grinding to do. I mean, I did a pretty good job with my exhaust okay. on the on the glot, so I think I, uh, I think, I'll, I think I'm ready to tackle it. I'll, okay. Well, I'm I, just saying we could bring Andy over anyway just to be like, you know, well, the good thing is it's nice thick just, metal. Just to hang out with Andy, that's all. Come on. Come on over, Andy. You can come over and help us. 
<laughs> yeah, it's not um, it's not thin sheet metal. It's annoying to weld. No, it's it's very thick, and you could definitely weld it together, or like almost like stick weld it together if you wanted to. Yeah, um, it's 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 the kind of metal that's very forgiving. It's, it's almost like what they give you when you first take a welding class. Exactly it's that same heavy heavy gauge metal. So and then I'll grind it, it down and uh, prime it, and I've got that silver textured paint, so it'll be silver. Gonna match. Problem is that will be after the main forest rally, so you will not have your glamour mod front bumper for the main forest rally. Oh well, so. then I might not do it while you're here. I might do it before then because wow. there's like two more weeks I can do that. Yeah, because I'm coming into town the Thursday before the rally. Oh so. yeah, because then then I bought some new IPF fog lights. Yep. So I've got driving lights, and now I bought fogs, and they um, they'll look good in the silver because they have the chrome. Um, like egg crate over them. Sure, and they will they'll complement they'll complement your snorkel well. And they're amber. <laughs> okay, they say super off road. Perfect. Ivan Iron Man's do it super off road. I like it. So, I'm into it. I, I like the way the truck's coming out. Honestly, I, I definitely do. And even if it never goes off road again, at least it, it goes off road. <laughs> so <we're> busy. <laughs> it's All fine. Right. So speaking of things that go off road. Uh, we got word from Crankshaft Culture, so yep. that's and Andy and, Mercedes. Yep, Lilienthal. They've been on the show. Um, Maine, our neighbor to the north here in Massachusetts, is apparently actively canceling Delica registrations, which seems illegal because this is America. Well, uh, I don't know. It's a states thing, right? Because it's states versus federal. Sure. Um, you know, we don't have a national vehicle registry. We have a state by state. Sure. Uh, even though the federal law allows imports 25 years or older, yep. that doesn't necessarily guarantee the state will allow it. I think the problem that are, um, I have sent, this is without getting into too sticky of a political situation here. Um, this is a very similar argument to what's already been going on for years in another um, hobby. Um, you know, the, the gun people have this same conversation all the time of states' rights versus states' rights versus federal rights versus you know. Well, their own it's even rights. the same with uh, marijuana. It's sure because yeah, it's 100%. still it's still a class one narcotic, but it's legal in some states. Correct. But you but could I still think, be brought up in federal charges for it if you had too much of it. Correct. But I think the issue we're having here with this delicate registration thing is you have a vehicle that you bought and paid for with your money and the state taxed you on when you registered. And now the state is saying we're canceling the registration and you can no longer legally use this in our state with plates from our state that you paid your taxes on. I think that's where the sticky part of the situation is coming in. And again, I don't want to get into a whole political conversation here because, you know, we're not going to have a, a, a two-way conversation on a car podcast. Um, but it's kind of the same. It's, it's a very similar discussion, a very similar where does the the right of a citizen of the United States trump the right of a citizen of your local state? Um I would have less of an issue with it if we were dealing with the California where it was never legal to bring something there. So even when the 25 year import rule became a thing, California was like, nah, not here, man. 
because you can't smog it. They never were like, oh, cool, a bunch of people have these cars, live here, and pay taxes here, and I've had it for a long time. We're just going to cancel their registration and say they can't use it anymore. Well, the reality of it is there's probably less than 100 of these cars in Maine. I, I would bet there's less than 20 of them in Maine. It's not it's not a common vehicle. Um, and It's really weird because their like, argument is that they don't meet safety standards, safety standards. don't meet emissions. Uh, couldn't drive on the highway, but uh, there's like a bunch of old cars that can't do that either. So this is where it concerns me a bit too, where it's the state coming in and saying, well, you can't drive this vehicle anymore because it doesn't meet emissions and it's unsafe when it meets the emissions for its time. So when it's safe for its time based on the country that it came from. Yeah. So if you look at a lot of times on the A pillar of a car, it'll have a sticker said this car conforms to the applicable laws when it was built. So yep. that basically grandfathers everything in. Right. But in this case, it does not conform to the applicable laws of when it was built in the, in the state it's being registered in, which I think is their, is their point. I think what happened here, honestly, is they took a look at all of these guys who were bringing in the K pickup trucks. Um, like you know, the Honda Actis and the Suzuki Carries and all of these, which are truly cannot go on the interstates. Uh, and they're being registered as vehicles, not like ATVs. Supposedly they can be, though. They can do like, but what's the... And you, you, okay, you're right. They, they probably can. Hold on. Yeah. Around here, the minimum speed limit on the interstate is 45. 45, yeah. They can and absolutely right. do 45. They can. They can do 55. So I guess that argument is not valid either. But I think. So- I think. It, I think. Honestly, I think it's. Uh, I. Nobody's looked into this. This is just my conjecture that it's UTV dealers. Ooh, conspiracy theory. I'm into that, it. Let's go. I, that's UTV dealers that they don't want people buying these instead of buying UTVs. Sure. But again, the amount of people buying these five thousand dollar vehicles. The not Delicas are more money, but the uh, the K trucks, the amount of people buying those five thousand dollar K trucks aren't the same people that are going to go buy a twenty five thousand dollar side by side. And if the kind of person who's going to go buy a twenty five thousand dollar side by side would probably also just buy a five thousand dollar K truck if they wanted one. Yeah, but maybe the thought is that you know these aren't car people; they're making these rules up. They think that it's going to push people to buy these other things that they can tax them more on. Mm, they get more sales tax, but I'm, they get less road tax because the registered. I don't know. TV. It's really weird. Yeah, because I've also heard uh, from the Revival Motoring podcast that uh, like Pennsylvania is canceling K registrations. I think. Okay. Um, I know yeah. there there are a couple of provinces in Canada that are no longer allowing new right hand drive registrations. Yeah, I so. mean, really, all it would take um, is just a group of these people to to, to lawyer up, yeah, probably, and I, just I, it's it's less of an issue, I think, than something like a two A because it's not as politically charged and there's less people involved, and it would fly under the radar, I think, a little more. I think it's good that Andy has brought it kind of to the limelight with the article on his website because it will encourage people to get together, and there's enough importers in this country. I mean, hell, there's enough importers in Maine probably to get together and, you know, fight this because that's their livelihood. They buy and import these things to sell them, and that's how they make their living. And 
I, I just, I don't see the legal standing and how this can stay. You know, I, the California thing has been on the book since day one and they're not actively canceling registrations on things people already owned unless they can no longer meet the safety and emission standards for the year they were built. You know what I mean? So if this thing, if a Delica can pass the emissions of a diesel vehicle sold here in 1988, it shouldn't matter. And I can tell you from firsthand experience that driving a Delica on the interstate, you can do 75 miles an hour. Well, and they, they were sold here as other yeah. vehicles. And they were sold here as a Mitsubishi van, yeah. just not in four wheel drive. And um, I, I, it's, it's no more dangerous than the same year Volkswagen, you know, uh, West oh, Valley oh, van or a Toyota van or a oh, Nissan. Again, they, it's, it's the same vehicle. Yeah. I mean, it's just as slow. So uh, arguably faster, actually. Yeah. So I, I think I think Delica vans got caught up in the 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 shitstorm of the K trucks, which are causing a bit of an issue. I think K trucks are the crux of the whole thing. I'm not sure exactly where it's coming from, but I think the K trucks are it. And I think somebody saw a picture of a Delica van and uh, doesn't realize how big of a vehicle it actually is. And I don't think they can, but they shouldn't bug you about K trucks either. That's I, I'm not. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I can see where that's coming from. I can see some NIMBY person saying, "Oh my God, that truck is so small. That man is going to die." But then also, he probably has a motorcycle at home. But yeah, it's or, not different than a motorcycle. Or he has a '57 Chevy at home that you know would impale him through the heart if he drove into a curbstone wrong. So I, I there's a. The, the only person you're putting in danger in your K vehicle and your Delica van is yourself. And it's just, I don't, um, yeah, it's just, it's scary. Okay. Well, it's just it's, like somebody had a comment on one of the articles was like, Oh, I'm glad they solved everything else in the state. So now we can focus on this. Right. Yeah. Ter- drugs. As of us with, yeah. uh, JDM into ports. Yeah. Yeah. The ports are not still flowing drugs through them. Definitely not anymore. Um, there's no more, you know, homelessness at all. It's all fixed. They're they're moved on to delicate vans. So keeping keeping people who want to buy an interesting car safe from themselves. I mean, what, is there five delicas in Portland, Maine? Like, I, well, that's what I'm saying. If there, if there are Portland fifty delicas, <laughs> if there are fifty delicas in the entire state of Maine registered there, I'd be surprised. You know, I, I know they're probably one of the more popular vehicles registered here from overseas. But if there were fifty of them, I'd be surprised. Yeah. So. It seems like a funny thing to have, but at the same time, I think it's worth fighting for because they're not cheap. It's not like somebody went out and spent a hundred bucks in this thing and now they can't use it. Like we're talking about a twenty thousand, fifteen to twenty thousand dollar vehicle. Like what happens now? Like some guy is still making payments on his truck that he bought through, you know, some financing company. Now he can't drive it to work. But the reality is that a lot of people don't even use them as daily drivers. They're just I, I, toys. Sure. It's sure. a, don't even get driven every day. For sake of argument, I was just using that as a as a point. But you're right. And then yeah, for my sake of argument, a lot of the like you know people that's the other say, argument. say this yeah. about us, right? They'd be like, "Well, why do you guys own five cars?" It's like, "Well, does it matter? I can only drive one at a time." Right. And are they actually a problem? Otherwise, like they're not a problem. Like they're not running. I don't just leave them in my driveway running. Yours exactly. don't run, so it's not a problem. 
Man, that burn is getting it's getting to a point where it's not going to make sense anymore. I can't wait. I'm getting there. It's part of the reason I'm coming home. I got to get that that head gasket and that head put back on that as uh, a that Colt. So we're getting there. The joke will no longer have legs because the cars will all have heads. Okay. All right. Eventually. So. All right. Um, anything else going on? No, that's really all I had. Um, Sweet. Yeah. Because uh, I went to bed at 4 a.m. and was up before 8, and it's now 7 p.m., and I am ready for bed again. So I'm going to eat some dinner, and I'm going to go to bed and recover from this Radwood weekend. All right. Go to bed. Go to so, bed, Brad. Yep. Old man Brad. Going to bed at 7 p.m. So, Well, it's 10 p.m. here, so you're going to bed at 10. Perfect. I need a recovery night. So um, thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure you catch us on Instagram at Auto Off Topic, on Facebook, Auto Off Topic Podcast. You can see me on Instagram at TSISS350. And Andrew, where can they find you? I am Racing Anger on Instagram and Racing and Anger on Twitter. And uh, yeah, as always, keep your cards analog and aim for the roses. <laughs>